Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is betonline.ag. So if you're feeling like a little uh, parlay with our guy Chris P- uh, Pyle, not Private Pyle, throwing you a nice little uh, parlay, some Friday A-10 tournament action, best place to throw it on is on Bet Online. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. They have hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, the 24-hour online casino. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, welcome back to the Spider Scoop Podcast, episode 42. Uh, As always, I'm your host, Noah Goldberg, with ESPN Richmond. I'm joined by a struggling Charlotte Hornets fan, but more importantly, he writes about the Spiders for 810 Talk, and that's Austin Daisy. Austin, it is 8.20 in the evening. We've had some time to sit on this, but as we all know, Richmond today fell to Duquesne. Uh, seven-point loss in the, uh, I shouldn't say for, I guess if you want to call the pillow fight the first round, I guess we can call this the second round. If that's the plan, it's the first round. But either way, they lose their first game, Thursday game to Duquesne, uh, eight seed. They fall to the nine seed. Uh, I think they're like a five and a half or six and a half point favorite going into this one. Um, I still feel like a lot of us uh, didn't really feel very good going into this one. I know you and I were both pretty down. Uh, of course, Blake Francis game time decision, unable to go today. And I think if he had played, he wouldn't have been himself by any means. Of course, Grant playing through the fractured finger. Um, it was, I shouldn't say it was expected. Uh, as I said, I feel like coming off of Monday, I, I kind of felt like they were going to lose this game. It sucks all the same. Um, the, the feeling is still not great. Uh, it's a little bit easier to digest given that <laughs> we've been trending this way for two weeks. So at least it's not a sudden drop off, but just, you know, we'll dive into the game, but just how are you feeling right now with everything that's happened this season and, and really just the the down spiraling downfall from these last two weeks? Yeah, um, I agree with what you said. Like, this wasn't sudden. It's It's been a long time coming. I mean, we've sat there and watched the games and it's like, where's the energy? Where mm-hmm. Where is the – we have to win this game. Where is that coming out of the players? Like, you know, you watch any other game, you see it. And, you know, today when things got bad, they got even worse. But mm-hmm. honestly, as weird as it sounds, I think I was more upset after the St. Joe's game just because I had, you know, a little bit of hope, you know, being a three seed, having a double bye. Because, you know, when we lost to St. Joe's, it was like, oh, wow. Like, we didn't even expect that. But mm-hmm. after that game, like you said, I was – I was expecting a loss today. So yep. this one doesn't hurt as bad, which is weird because the season's now done, but we've been, it's been coming. We knew it was coming. Do they still get in the NIT? No, zero chance. There's yeah. no way. Who wants them to be in this tournament? What have they, what have they proven? What have they proven? They, they can't beat anybody. They were outside the top six. and Ken Palm going into this game. They have two or three quality wins this year. And you lost to Hofstra, and you haven't beat anybody in the A-10. They beat Davidson. Great. You beat Davidson every year. 
every year you beat Davidson. You didn't beat St. Bonaventure. You didn't beat St. Louis. You didn't um, beat LaSalle. <laughs> yeah, you, you <laughs> sure didn't beat LaSalle. I mean, they they haven't beaten they, uh, VCU. Obviously, didn't beat VCU. Mm-hmm. They haven't beat any of the top teams in the conference. This is if there was no preseason's expectation, the, the, of course you would laugh at the idea of an NIT berth right now. Um, yeah, it's it's disappointing. I feel bad for the players. Um, this they they deserved a lot more. Uh, it's it's really and, and it is unfortunate the injuries. Um, you know, again, like we said, I don't blame them. With, they they should have won that game today, but. Again, playing with the the injured – I mean, Grant Gold's fingers are straight up broken. It wasn't a slight fracture. Straight up broken. You're playing without your leading scorer in Blake Francis. We've been over all this stuff. So I do feel and sympathize for them on that front. But I don't sympathize for the fact that they put themselves in that position in the first place. They should never have been in this game in the first place. And that's where I have no sympathy um, on whatsoever. We'll, we'll, uh, let's get more into reactions and in, in the season as a whole in a little bit. But let's talk about the game. Uh, a first I, I thought it was interesting that you know with with Blake out I feel like Gilly and Grant both came out trying to make a statement early I think they combined to score the first nine points for the Spiders uh, right away and they're both just going at it taking shots I think they were clearly trying to trying to show Duquesne that Grant's finger was okay and Gilly was willing to do work it didn't work that well I mean Gilly had a pretty poor shooting night um, I, I liked his aggression that's the way I've wanted to see him play and I think it's the way he had to play uh, tonight, but but it didn't work out that well. What did you see from those guys early, and and maybe why do you think that early aggression kind of petered off? Early on, I was super confident. Um, even one point, like I was like, we're gonna win this game by fifteen plus. And I even tweeted, I think we were up by maybe seven or eight at the time. And you know, we had just played Duquesne what two weeks ago, and I tweeted please play a full 40 minutes. And it's just something that I feel like I'm not alone in this. Every Richmond fan had the past Duquesne game in their head where we clearly outplayed them. I mean, we outplayed Duquesne today. We, we played a better game. That's not a knock on them. I really think, especially in the first half, we played a much better all around basketball game. We didn't show up in the second half. So again, that's, I don't know what happens in the locker room. I don't like speculating what happens in there, but how do you show up in the second half like that? I mean, they didn't, they scored except for Tyler's last second layup. Does kind of a meaningless garbage layup. They, they went over nine minutes. They essentially finished the last nine and a half minutes of the game without making a field goal. That's, that's a, a quarter of the game almost. That's, that's unbelievable. Hard. That's jaw dropping. I mean, I, again, I know the, I always say explanations, not excuses. Explanations, Grant's injured. I know. Obviously, he lost to Nick. I shouldn't even say Nick. That's he's been gone all year. But obviously, Blake, right? Like, it's just nine and a half minutes. Like, you can't just like. I, it's like the arguments. Like, okay, if I one on one to Michael Jordan, I'd probably get one point because I'd chuck up a three and it would go in. At some point, he wouldn't play defense. Like, doesn't that happen in nine and a half minutes of a college basketball game? They're gonna have some terrible defensive possession. You're gonna find like not one, not even. It's just and that and again goes. Even, it's not even the shots weren't falling. They looked lost. Yeah, they had no type of like. I don't know what the mindset was on the court. It was just, I think they sensed panic. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, like you said, if I played Michael Jordan, I bet I'd score once. Yeah. 
um it, it was just yeah like i mean they like you said they played a really good first half um they and, and this i mean in general they actually didn't get killed on the glass like we thought um the thing i did see is they kept the dukes off the offensive glass completely in the first half um and, and especially early in that second half but throughout they you know michael hughes and company kind of went to work there a little bit but they didn't actually turn it into that many points so they, they were certainly caught up in rebounding but it was more more even on the glass than i think we we may have expected in this game again like the dukes didn't play that great they missed a lot of shots they made a lot of mistakes um it seemed like a focus thing it seemed like a focus thing in the first half because they played better in the first half, but there still felt like a lot of turnovers and, and just moments where they played sloppy. Then see a guy coming behind them or maybe weak side. They just threw in an entry pass. That was just blatantly not there. Balls were getting tipped, but in the first half, they kind of limited it. Some more tip passes that have been intercepted. Then that just really culminated into the second half and combined with this lack of energy where they were standing still, they weren't moving. They were, Grant had six turnovers tonight. That's horrible. Grant Golden had six turnovers. He had, I, on my hand, I can count at least two. I feel like three from my memory, at least two where he just threw backdoor passes, bounce passes before the guy ever made the cut. And he didn't even end up making the cut at all. Like that's not even, I mean, that's just a free possession you're giving away. And it felt like it was happening over and over again. So, and then that turns into an energy thing where you're not focused, you're playing badly. And then they didn't seem that energized. They started fouling a little bit more and they just, the ball, I don't think the ball movement was nearly as good and as active. I think off ball guys were a little bit less active than they normally are. Um, So yeah, I don't know if you saw the energy thing. We've been talking about energy for what feels like three weeks now. Um, but they just looked, they, they looked like they just took a nap. Yeah. I mean, the only energy I saw today was on the bench. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where and Isaiah Wilson. I, I, yeah. Now I can't forget him, man. I'm telling you that kid is going to be special. I love watching him play. He mm-hmm. is, he's Pittsburgh through and through. He's gritty. He, he is not afraid of contact. He's going to be fun to watch these next three years. Yeah, a hundred percent. And he's confident. He is so confident. I mean, to late in the game, he took like this step through layup. He was driving in the paint. He was shooting threes. He was getting up in guys' faces on defense. And like, sure, he had four fouls. I think I think a couple of those fouls were pretty handsy calls. Uh, yeah. Those those refs. I think we well, can. can Andy Lucky was there. That's all we have to say. <laughs> I, I, the, the, the refs were pretty bad, but I don't feel like it impacted the game. I think it was pretty even both ways. I think they were just shitty refs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some of those were handsy, but man, he is, he is not afraid of the moment. Um, and, and to come up with that steal late, he, he tied the game. I mean, you, your freshman on the court stole the ball, went in transition, drew the foul on TDM and, and hit two for, hit the two free throws yep. and, and tie the game. So I don't know how, he, how much more you can ask of a guy like that. And, and I said it on the radio with Matt Joseph, but I firmly believe if they win that game, that Isaiah Wilson starting tomorrow over Andre. I think firmly. I think you have to. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was the highlight. Um, it, he was the one, one bright spot uh, from this team. I guess you could kind of say Tyler, he led them in scoring. He had 18. I, I don't know. Give, give me your take on what you thought Tyler did this game before I, before I get mine. I, I want to hear what you thought of him. It was a very quiet double, double. Mm. It seemed that, you know, obviously we didn't score in the final 10 minutes of the game, essentially. And it's, I guess it seemed like I don't want to say his points came and we didn't need them because obviously you always need points throughout the game, but he's missing wide open looks. Like yep. he had at least, I think at least two, like the pop right up in my head. I mean, wide open for three and just, yep. if you're going to score 18 points, you've got to knock those down. 
105 from three tonight. Yeah. I mean, you've got to knock those down. Yeah. No, we talked about after the UMass game too, another game where he's like kind of quiet. And I said, listen, like Tyler didn't do anything bad. He didn't have a great game, but other guys were cooking. So I was fine with the lack of scoring, but I was like, he was over from two, over two from three and they were wide open looks. It's like, if you're that guy, like you've like you're Tyler Burton, like you've led the team in three point percentage all year. I mean, you've, you've got to hit catch and shoot threes. And some of them are like momentum moments. I can count at least two in my head where he was wide open in the corner and Gilly dribble drive penetrated, kicked to him. There was another one where they had beautiful ball movement, swung it all the way around the arc, like four or five passes, kicked to Tyler in the corner, misses the three. Um, like, like, I think like you said, it was a really quiet double double. And it just felt like he did not hit a single timely shot. He hit some tough shots, yes. he hit some shots late in the shot clock where he was bailing the team out. So credits to Tyler. There were a couple – he bailed out multiple possessions, more so in the first half, but a couple in the second. So credits to Tyler, hit some tough shots, but did not really hit timely shots. So so that's a guy I want to see. Again, the tools are there. I want to see him – I don't know if it's between the ears. I want to see him get his head right next year. Um, but, but, yeah, I really – these last two weeks, I don't know what happened to his three-point shot, but it just has looked broken these past couple weeks. Um, so I don't know. I mean, he said he had some personal stuff going on in the, in the press conference the other day. I don't know what that's about. Um, but you, at this point in the season, I don't know, you shouldn't be having personal stuff going on. You should have that stuff figured out. Mm-hmm. So that is that, um, like we said, this, the, the, the cold streak, I mean, how do you go nine and a half minutes without scoring? Like I'm, I, I know we've been talking about it, but I'm just, my jaw's dropping nine and a half minutes. Have you ever heard of that happening in a, in an A-10 game? I watch a ton of college basketball. And I seriously cannot think of a scoring drought longer than like seven minutes. Yeah. Like I, I don't remember one, especially in a game of this magnitude. It's not like we were playing, I don't know, Davidson in January. I mean, it's the conference tournament. You've yeah. got to, you've got to find a way to work the ball inside. Like you said, you've got guys that are six foot 10, drop the ball in the damn hoop. Like you got to do something to break that run. Yeah. And, I mean, they couldn't even like hit free throws. Like they were, I'm doing a little calculation here. They were six, 63% from the free throw line. In the second half, they were 12 of 19 in the second half. Yeah. I mean, when a game's that tight and again, you're, you're tied with like under two minutes left about a minute left in the game. If you go, you know, you're 12 and 19, you hit like four or five more of those. I mean, you're in control of that game. It's like, it's just the little things. It's just, again, they just time and time again are not showing up in these spots and showing up in these spots. Um, all right, before we get to voicemails, why don't we, let's talk about Nate a little bit. Uh, Nate was 05 tonight. Um, didn't expect a big game out of him. Just knowing, you know, the, the size and the physicality of Duquesne. I did think, you know, I don't think it was a lack of aggression. I think if anything, there were a couple of possessions he he tried to try to post up and he shouldn't have. So, so I think that's, you know, not necessarily stupid. I think it was probably smart to not take a ton of shots for him. But still, I feel like he missed a couple. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I again, I can't ask a lot of him going against a team like this. But you got to know when Blake's hurt and, and and Grant's hurt, playing through injury. Gilly wasn't hot. Gilly wasn't hitting shots. Like, got to give me more than 0 of 5. Yeah, I agree. No, I, like you said, I think he played a smart game. He knew, yeah. like, he's not shooting over Weathers. He, you're, he's just not. Um, yep. Again, he had the second most turnovers for Richmond tonight. And mm-hmm. if I remember, I don't even know if they were passes. I think he might have just lost the ball. Like, just yep. just got out-muscled and just got the ball knocked out of his hands. So, yeah, he – 
he played smart. I mean, he, he was just outmatched. And, you know, when Nate's not known as that guy that's going to, you know, score up with a guy like Weathers, who I swear every time I watch him play, I can't get over how big that dude is. So, I mean, yeah. coming I also want – you ever seen his jump shot? He looks like he's going to tear his ACL every time he <laughs> shoots it. He's, this guy's like yeah, like hockey when you're a bender. I mean, this guy like inverts his knees when he shoots. I, it cracks me up. But, yeah, no, he – again, Nate's – Nate had a great year. You know, he – made a big jump from last year in my opinion and you know he even obviously today went 05 but he's got the jump shot going he was hitting those mid ranges especially early on in the season so yeah you know good for him if this is how he's gonna go out you know he he can't hang his head so much because yeah and absolutely i can't like i can't pick on nate for not making up for everyone else's slack because at the end of the day like nate's supposed to be your fourth or fifth option in the starting rotation like heading into this year like he's your fifth option because Nick would Nick if he was in the starting lineup would have been ahead. So like I'm not gonna like say like Nate Ko not showing up is why they lost this game tonight. Right. The, the reason they lost this game tonight is that they had a ten to sixteen assist to turnover ratio. They missed their leading score. Everyone else was hurt and they've just had no heart. Like that's why they lost. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was clear they they just did not look like they wanted it. Um, this is also too the second and again I know Duquesne is one of the best defensive teams in the conference, but second game in a row they've had a negative assist to turnover ratio, which is super strange for for this team they are such a low turnover team um i don't know like do you attribute that to to blake missing the last three halves of basketball is that do you think a mental thing of they just don't have the heart the energy we we talked a little bit about lack of ball movement any idea like they just don't it doesn't look like richmond basketball yeah i think as soon as grant went down you know a lot of those assists did come from him at the top of the key Mm -hmm. hitting people on cuts um, that's part of it. Zero assists for Grant tonight, by the way. Yep. And you know, it's weird too, because speaking of Grant, I, I was like specifically watching him in warmups and mm-hmm. he looked much better with his hands in warmups against St. Joe's. He wasn't, I mean, his left hand was out of the picture, but he was sitting, I mean, catching full passes right to the hands didn't seem to really be a major issue. So I don't, I don't know how that went down for him, but I do think that's part of the assists dropping off. Um, and again, I hate questioning Hart. It's not, I don't know what these guys are going through. I, I'm not in a position to call them out for that, but I can call them out for focus. And I, yeah. it just seems like they're, we've said it over and over, they're not focused. This is a Division One college basketball team who sometimes plays like a high school team. Was it just me or was Duquesne's bench incredibly louder than Richmond's bench today? Yeah, no, as a whole, yeah, you know, we've got our little mob on on the mm-hmm. corner of the bench, but yeah, as a whole, the entire Duquesne bench was into it. They they wanted it more. They were more hungry. Yeah. The 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 walk-ons and Nick and Connor, the guys who are hurt, were were jeering as as they do, but but like Duquesne, like their entire bench, the guys in the game, the coaches, like everyone, like they were chanting defense. Uh they were they, they were just into it more. They wanted it. they they simply they wanted this game more, flat out, no other explanation. We wanted to give a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. Whether rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, 
your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators will verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity, and it also protects the sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers of $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Um, yeah. So that's that. Uh, let me play. I don't think I can do the share screen. We got a couple voicemails, so so let's run these and, and we'll react to them here. All right, let me know if you can hear it. Hey, this is Ralph. I'm the uh, Richmond class of 2013, calling from North Fair Oaks, California. And just want to say thanks to Noah and Austin, first off, for your coverage of the team this season. Uh, you all do a great job. And I guess I'll just start with the level of frustration we saw from, from Golden and really the whole team. And I know it's a culmination of injuries and tough season with COVID and shutdowns and everything, but the contrast of that with the Dukes in those last five minutes, they just look so energized and so excited and so sure they were going to pull it off. And uh, you would have thought they were the, the more, more experienced team there. So disappointing. A lot of respect to the guys who fought through this year. But I don't know. I'll start thinking about moving ahead here and how do we get back to having this program be energized, having the players be energized, the coaches, the leadership, and especially the fans because, gosh, I, I know so many people have just kind of dropped out of following this whole thing the last couple of years because they just got tired of that that frustration, that disappointment. And we gotta got to turn around. And I don't know how anybody else can argue against that at this point. So, anyway, thanks to you guys. And uh, look forward to checking out the pod later. Yeah. So, I we we talked about that, the energy a little bit. Um, and I know he wants to turn it around. And I, I can't speak on it. Sounds like alumni and, and those fans. But, but yeah, I, like, what do, you, what do you think about that with the energy? I mean, I, I totally agree. In, the, in those last five minutes when Richmond's up two possessions, it's about tied. And just like we said, the energy of the benches and, and just the body language of those guys. But I totally agree. Um, I, I don't know if you do, but I felt like watching in that moment, even five minutes from the end of the game, I did not feel confident. I absolutely felt like Duquesne was going to win, and I thought they wanted it more, and they did. No, he he hit the nail on the head with everything. You know, as soon as Duquesne, I think they took a one-point lead. I don't know how much time was left. The game was over. I was watching, um, you know, watching our leaders on the court, and they looked straight-up defeated. And Duquesne could have looked that way when they were down by – I think we were up by 14 was our largest lead. You know how easy it would have been for Duquesne to do that? We're down by one point. We got guys hanging our heads. We got people checking out, um, going back to the bench, knocking chairs over. Like, it all comes back to a focus thing. And that message is weird. Like, that message actually hit me pretty hard. Like, here, just hearing, you know, from other people, just the disappointment. And, you know, it's – I'm not a guy that's like, oh, yeah, they got to go put up a billboard, we'll fire and Mooney and all that. That's not my type of fandom. I am, you know, 
you stick with what's going on. You, you try to get into it as much as you can, but like you said, it, it kind of gets to a point where people check out and if things don't start changing soon, that that's not, that doesn't mean coaching staff. That just means winning. You just got to win. I mean, if not, fans are tired of it. It's this is now 11 years of not making it to the tournament with all the facilities you can need, all the money. I, I don't, I don't know what it's going to take. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree. You know, I always, I, I feel like I have a, a, fresh and unique perspective because you know i haven't been here since 2011 right like i always joke i'm like i didn't know who chris mooney was three years ago i didn't i i didn't i didn't know much about the a10 i was a high school student i am from boston um and so i feel like that gave me a fresh perspective where i could come in and, and kind of objectively evaluate the situation and you know be able to kind of balance you know people get overly frustrated because but fairly because they haven't been to the tournament since 2011 so i can look at it and not have that I don't want to say recency bias, but I, I can put that aside a little bit, but, and, and it's fair because that gives me the lens to look at this and say, cause by the way, like it's different now, like back in 2018, I was the one who was like, after it was my soft, my freshman year when they were really terrible. And I was saying, well, this team is going to be really good next year. And everyone's saying, well, blah, 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 they stink. You're a homer, blah, blah, blah. And guess what? They finished second in conference. Like I was and, and And then people are going to be like, well, look, now you're wrong. This team's not good, you know, but also it's like, we know the injuries, we know COVID, like this team should have been better this year. But my, my simple point is that I think I have a, a, a good in-between perspective. I can totally understand the frustration of it's been since 2011. I can also understand, you know, I can sympathize with Chris Mooney because in, in all fairness, I mean, he did have the number two conference in the team, number two team in the conference last year. You got that chance robbed. You lost your best shooter at the beginning of the season, COVID, blah, blah, blah. I get that. But at the end of the day, it's different if we're, if they, you know, I don't know if they were on the bubble and, and squeaked it out, even then it'd be disappointing, but you can understand like, this isn't like they kind of came up short. They were the eighth seed and just had a first round exit. This is a beyond disappointment. I don't care if an atomic bomb went off, like there, there's no excuses. There's no excuses. And they did it to themselves again. Like you said, like they played a better game than Duquesne for most of the game in basically every aspect besides shooting the ball. I mean, they just, they, and it's two games in a row now. I mean, the, they, again, the assist to turnover ratio thing, they're beating themselves because they didn't want it. Going back since VCU, the first legitimate game since the COVID pause, they've had three of their five games, VCU, uh, St. Joe's, and now Duquesne. Three games where they've gone on a terribly bad scoring drought at the end of the games. They finished 0-5 from the field against VCU, 0-5 from the field against St. Joseph's. And tonight we don't have to say it. They went nine and a half minutes without hitting a shot. Um, so so yeah, it's that I don't know. I'm I'm not gonna make a judgment on you know changes in, in coaching staff and 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 stuff like that. A change needs to happen somewhere. I don't know if that's you know, I don't know what that is, but something needs to change. Um, we'll see though. Let's, let's get to this next voicemail. And then I have one more thing I want to touch on before we finish off here. All right. Oh, we got a student voicemail this time. Hey podcast. This is uh, Joe Avitanta and I'm calling from, uh, from on campus in Richmond, Virginia at the university of Richmond campus. Uh, I'm telling you, problem with this team, they're not moving off ball, all right? Mooney's got to go. Bring in someone who can get them to move off ball. 
I'm telling you, I see a lot of guys, they just dribble up, and no one's moving around. They're just trying to pass it around the outside. No one's cutting. No one's setting off ball screens. We need to get these guys open. we got skilled players, but they lack size. We need to be able to get them inside, get them open. All right. Thanks. Roll Spud. <laughs> sounds Joe Joe sounds like he's been uh enjoying some festivities to say the least. Uh but yeah, I I agree and I disagree with this point. I think within within this game and I actually really specifically noticed over the last 3 games where the it, I don't want to say it felt stagnant cuz it's impossible to be stagnant just with the system they run, but there have definitely been some times where it's like both guys instead of cutting through each other and opposite like cut in the same direction and you end up with Gilly just received the pass off the screen. And then Isaiah's just like sitting on his hip and I feel like Tyler's done that a little bit Gilly. So like kind of that kind of stuff. And then they end up staying with the ball at the top of the key. Um, so, so I do agree. And I think especially tonight, right? Like that kind of goes back to the energy thing tonight. Um, so, so I don't know. I think that is definitely fairly true um, o- over the last couple games, but, but I don't, I don't, I don't know what you think. I don't think that was the greater problem as much of a, symptom of some recent deeper problems yeah no um there were a couple of times today i noticed gilliard seemed very frustrated and a lot of the times it was andre where you mm. know gilliard had the ball in the corner and andre is literally two feet beside him and he's signaling like yeah. go like move, move so today especially yes i don't think it's a problem within i just think that's a game by game thing with how the guys are focused and if they're mentally checked in. Cause again, but I, he made a good point about talking about the size. Cause obviously mm-hmm. Mooney recruits small guys, but I'm not going to knock on Gilliard and Francis and Wilson for what they bring to the table. So, you know, you mm-hmm. can't hold that against them because of their size that, that that's just how they play the game. So I like getting recruits like that. So that's not, me saying, yeah, we need to ditch these under six foot point guards. Absolutely not. I'm all, all for the Gilliards and Francis's out there, but I just, again, I keep saying it. It's not like a broken record, but I think it comes down to focus. Cause you know, we've seen, I mean, Richmond is known for some of the best backdoor cuts you can see in college basketball. There's nothing prettier than seeing Grant hit Gilliard down low on a pick and roll. I mean, the team has it in them, which is what makes me believe it. Again, it just comes down to a focus and kind of a mentality thing. Did they hit a single backdoor cut tonight? I don't think did so. They, Every time they tried, like we said earlier, they weren't even close. Did they even hit one last game? I think they, they definitely hit, completed a couple, a pass one, or two. I swear it was just one. I think Golden Did they get a basket off it, though, or did they make just make the pass? I think Gilliard had a layup against St. Joe's. Okay. So one backdoor pass in a, in a game, you're a 15 and a half point favorite. Yeah. Golf clap, gentlemen. <laughs> um, all right. Last thing before, before we wrap it up, I know your drink's about done there. So definitely, definitely uh, last call here. But where, where do we go from here? Looking at next year, you know, Fire Mooney Mafia has, of course, come out of the works in, on, on Twitter. Um, I certainly don't think they will get rid of him next year. I'd be pretty shocked. Um, I don't. I, I just I, I don't see John Hart firing him in general. Um, I don't know. Richmond just hired a new president. They kind of dropped that on the low after the very after the game today. We sure. very weird timing. He's like a market economist, scholar, specialist, something like that too. So Mooney just got a contract extension. If he's a, a finance guy, he probably doesn't want to want to buy Chris Mooney out making seven figures. 
Um, but you know, they obviously Jacob and he said, they're going to take some time to think about his decision and other seniors possibly coming back. But I mean, best case scenario is you get everyone comes back, including Nick Sherrod next year. Worst case scenario is everyone leaves. Um, and you know, you're not starting fresh. You got Tyler Burton and you got goose and Sal and Matt, but worst case scenario next year, you could be a a middling kind of hybrid rebuild team. Yeah, you know, um, it's hard to even put into perspective what this team's going to be next year. Because like you said, we could be either losing five guys or getting five guys back. So right now, it's impossible to make some type of assessment on where it goes. But I've had this weird feeling all along that if one person stays, everybody's going to. I don't know. I just have that mm-hmm. type of feeling in my in my head. That might not be a thing at all. But that's kind of my gut, what my gut's telling me. But, you know, if this is, um, if this is the end for this senior class, you know, obviously they're, they're more disappointed than the fan. So um, again, it's, I want to thank them for, you know, what they gave to the program. There's again, you can't control COVID, you know, last year was their, was their time, you know, 24 and seven, like they were going to the tournament. So, you know, kind of one of the biggest what ifs in the history of Richmond basketball will be that 2020 season and what could have been. So that's the worst part for me about having these seniors possibly going out on that note. Cause again, we'll, we'll just never know what, what could have happened. Cause they were going to the tournament. I mean, there, there's no doubt in my mind. So again, seniors, you know, if y'all are listening, Thank y'all. That's all I got to say is thank y'all for what you gave to the program and hope y'all, you know, have a great career, whatever you do, or I'd love to talk, talk about you again next year. If you come back. Yeah, definitely. I, I I'm the same as you. I, you know, I, I don't know, like, we don't know if they're going to come back. Um, I, I, I agree with that point. I think that if one of them comes back, it's more likely, I don't know if all of them will, but it's certainly more of them. Um, for sure. So, so hopefully, but, but I mean, you, you can't count on it. You have to plan as if they're not and then adjust if they do. So that's where we're going with um, what, what is, I hate, I hate to, I don't know how to frame this, but how do you, what, what, what's the bar next year? Like, okay. You, you had two, one really good season, one kind of it season underwhelming, what could have been type season this year. It's like, all right, now you're coming in with probably your most talented, gifted player in a really long time, but you are there that roster next year, unless seniors come back, is just not it's not a place to compete. It's not a tournament roster. I'm sorry, it's not. Where do you like where do you go? What is the bar? What do you have to say? Like, what is the timeline? I mean, I don't see unless these seniors come back, like maybe two years from now you're a bubble team. And then after that, you're kind of rebuilding again. Cause they don't have, they got some guys come in um, Isaiah Wilson, like we said, up and coming. Uh, he's shown some flashes. I've seen some really good things out of Jai Bailey, but Andre Weir transferred out. You lost him. Um, Jason Nelson's coming in. He's a really good guard, but he's, he's kind of undersized. I don't know if the shots there, he could be a phenomenal player, but he's just an unknown. What's the bar. What's the timeline? Yeah, that, that's a really, really hard question. Because, you know, obviously, after not going to the tournament for so long, no matter how your roster looks, your fans, it's tournament or bust in, in their mind. Because, you know, it's been so long, they're hungry for it. But 
that's not fair to the players or the coaching staff to, to put that kind of bar on a team that everybody knows is not going to be in that position. So hmm. it's crazy to think that this team right here, this, this season was an eight seed. I mean, because honestly, in, right. in a regular A-10 season next year, maybe finish above eight. Maybe that. Maybe that's the goal. Um, I Next year's team, by the way, if no seniors come back and Tyler Burton is the guy, next year's team should still be better than an eight seed, which I think highlights how underwhelming this season was. Next year's team should not be an eight seed. Yeah, no, I agree completely with that. But yeah, it's just, it's hard to keep telling people to be patient when it's been a decade that's that's hard to do and we're about to enter that stage again where we're like all right guys look we're basically rebuilding we got to be patient but you can't tell that to alums that dump money into the program that have been waiting 10 years for a tournament berth they're they're done being patient they're they want to win and they want to win now and if these seniors don't come back I hate saying it, but I don't expect a lot of winning next season. Nope. And uh, now you just went out on a major sour note. There's a bad vibe surrounding the program. Uh, You just announced you switched to Adidas. So if you want to talk recruiting, right? Like, I'm sorry, like these have tangible effects. Like, I don't like, you know what? I'm criticizing John Hart right now. Like signing with Adidas was dumb, John Hart directly. That was a dumb decision. That was a stupid decision. Like you had a chance this year to build momentum, to, to put your name on the map nationally. Like, like look at the talk they were generating after they beat Kentucky. They were on ESPN. Like every Blake Francis and Jacob Gilliard were on sports center. Number one, my friends who are called they're Yukon fans, they're college basketball fans and they're lifelong Yukon fans. I have a group chat with these high school buddies. We've been talking college basketball in the same group chat for like seven years. And never. So again, like I've been in that group chat since long before I was a Richmond fan I never knew who Richmond was because I can tell you Richmond never came up in that group chat because for a college, just basketball fan, who's just watching the national guys and kind of just watch top 25. Like no one knew who Richmond was this year. Like, yeah, I go to Richmond. So they're more likely to talk to me about it. But like this year, legitimately these UConn guys were bringing up Richmond because Richmond was relevant. You were getting national buzz that affects recruiting. That affects the trajectory of your program. And to combine just this underwhelming year with a bad vibe, and then you sign with a deep, like just everything is just trending down, trending down. Um, so you just built a new practice facility. You had a chance to gain this momentum. So I hope they figure it out. I hope they can land a big recruit. Um, I don't know if they can go after a grad transfer. It hasn't seemed like they've been very aggressive whatsoever, even looking at grad transfer markets. So I don't know. I don't know what the direction is. I, I, I think their last chance is you just got to pray, pray to God you get some seniors back. If they don't, I don't know where this is going the next couple of years. I really don't. Yeah, I'm right, I'm right there with you. All right. Podcast number two that I've ranted. Um, I'm sure it won't be the last one. So that's it from us. Episode 42. Uh, end of this, uh, unless they get into the CBI or the NIT folks. Probably the end of the 2020-2021 season. Richmond falls to Duquesne as the eight seed in the first, second-ish rounds, third round before the quarterfinals of the Atlantic 10 tournament. Uh, that is it from us. We will try to get you guys out an episode, hopefully after the weekends, uh, reflect on the season a little bit more, maybe add a guest. So we'll be back. 
Uh, as always, you can follow me and Austin on Twitter and Instagram at Noah Goldberg 10 and at Austin Daisy 11. Uh, make sure to like subscribe five-star review on Apple podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening. We'd greatly appreciate that. Uh, thank you folks for a great season, a, a really great season. We had some really awesome moments on the podcast this year. Lenardi Goodman, uh, the Kentucky game. We've it's really fun year. Uh, you guys made it great with the voicemails and the Twitter engagement, even the VCU fans. We like poking, uh, poking fun. So we appreciate all the love on there and we will see you guys hopefully next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.